On this podcast, we talk about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. And this is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Are you enjoying your float over there? Or some bollocks, by Now go on. We're recording now, yeah? Happy days. Pour that out there now. It's going to be really weird for the audio listeners, but uh, he's basically made an absolute dog's bollocks of his beer pouring. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Social Antics with myself, Dave Alton, and Owen, our producer. Dave, how are you this week? I'm good, I'm rested. I was away for a few days last week. Bit, bit of the colour. Yeah, a bit, bit burnt. Um, but uh, we're getting to summer season now, so conferences coming up, getting abroad, Going away with the lads in a couple of weeks' time. No few shoots. trips here and there. Students are gone except a few repeats. Just one or two as usual. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, that's basically it. So a fun summer is in store. Did you have a good holiday? Yeah, it was good. Relaxing. Good, good, Relaxing. Good. You're looking very dapper. You're almost looking like a kind of a... Like a cool Darth Vader or something, like all in the black. Cool Darth Vader, I'm <laughs> putting that I'm putting that on both my Tinder LinkedIn. and LinkedIn profile. I'm not sure which one it suits better. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, I did we had we, we a very important meeting earlier on in the old university, so I said I'd uh, dress up for it. And, bring and it it's down. got it's got nothing to do with the fact that my head is burnt whatsoever and I'm wearing the cap indoors for a change. Very good, very good. You brought the beers this week. What you bring to us? Yeah, so this week we have uh, one of the local brews um, near the our um, podcast studio, which is in an unknown location in Cork somewhere. And this is a KPA or a Kinsale Pale Ale, which is um, a winner of a World Beer Award, yeah. um, Ireland category. And it is from Black's Brewery in Kinsale. And... A lot of people local, I would say, would know this quite well. Wouldn't be as well known around Ireland, I would say. Um, even though I know they're stocked in a lot of kind of um, national kind of off licenses and stuff like that. But really, really good. Really, really nice. I just love the the line on the the side of it. There, you can do your story a bit. But living the dream since two thousand and thirteen. I think that's brilliant. There's nothing. There's nothing as good as a bit of rhyming in the yeah. old marketing. Uh, the old marketing things is there. But uh, they're actually the description on the side actually isn't too bad. It's basically just calling out what craft beer is so all it says in the side of the bottle is um black's brewery escapes the mundane of the mass market producing beers with passion personality and lots of hops american style pale ale bursting with cascade and citra hops um tropical and citrus flavors beautifully balanced with smalt sweetness which again isn't too over the top kind of describe what it is i like it overall no, it's nice beer, nice beer, and they have a few in the range there as well. So, and they're currently doing a raise, as far as I'm aware, for they're building a new um, brewery down in Kinsale or a new distillery, um, because they also um, distill whiskey. They do, yeah, I think there's actually gin there as well. Um, so yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that. Um, give us some good news story this week. What have you got for us? Uh, off on a good note now. Not okay, too no, there's no good note. We won't start off on the good news. We'll start off on the serious stuff and we'll get lighter as we kind of go on, right? Um, so obviously in the past week, the US Supreme Court um, basically overturned or revoked uh, Roe v. Wade, um, which everyone listening will, will know what this is all about. But effectively what Roe Ro v. Wade did is that it gave 
certain rights to pregnant women, particularly when it came to um, their right to have an abortion in pretty much every state in the in the um, in the United States, that has now been revoked. Now, the tragic thing about this is that. Okay, so one, there's the immediate issue whereby now a lot of women are going to go through um, abortions which are more dangerous, not in medical settings and so on and so forth. The other thing that it always does, and I've really, really, I think this is really, really important, um, particularly for the month that it is so, everyone will know it's Pride Month over in the US and other places as well. A lot of people, a lot of the commentary is often that, oh, I'm kind of sick of Pride Month, why are these people marching, why is this all going on? When you see things like this happening in the world, it shows the importance of people constantly reminding each other and as a collective where we've come from and all the bad stuff that happened to, it's not even minor communities, like it's women, um, but the attitude that certain people have towards certain genders, uh, certain people, certain uh, races and so on and so forth. The the comment... um I think it was Morgan Freeman said in an interview one day, he was asked that specific question, like, you know, what do you think about, you know, when you have the whole area of like, you know, uh, Black History Month and, or, you know, Black History Days and all this kind of stuff. And he basically turned around and says, I look forward to the day when we can just have a history day. You know, and it won't, we're not there yet, you know, and that kind of thing. No, so it's we're exactly not. exactly the same as what you just said. We're not. And again, it, it is like, it, it is really, really important that, again, when you're looking at all these things that, some people, and we do it on this podcast quite a lot where we talk about brands associated with these and it's all about kind of wokeism and stuff like that. But when, again, you go back and you strip back and you look at very, very recent history, it's not that long ago when a lot of this stuff, good stuff, we could argue happened in terms of Roe v. Wade. And all of a sudden, in a click of a finger, yeah. six yeah. judges, three of whom were put on by Trump, by the way, have um, have basically decided to roll back the years in America in terms of people's rights, like you could make a very, very valid argument that a gun has more rights in the US than a pregnant woman, yeah. which is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think then, so obviously business podcast, right? So what's interesting then is that how are, what's the role of brands here and how brands are going to respond? So to be fair to your Apple, Google, JP Morgan, Chase, Microsoft, Starbucks, Citigroup, PayPal, um, Tesla, Levi's, um, Dick Sporting Goods, Yelp, a few other companies as well. They've basically all come out and they've said any employee that they have they're going to pledge to reimburse yeah, I've seen a couple um, of those, yeah. all any out-of-state travel costs for yeah. women who are working for them in a state whereby abortion is currently not, illegal. I've even seen it, not even women, it's the partners of yeah, people exactly. working in yeah, the companies. Yeah, exactly. You know. So they, look, I mean, as a, I know this only happened last week, right? There's a lot more that these companies, I think, are going to have to do in terms of um, rallying politicians, getting people to go and actually vote and make sure that there are robust state laws now in place that protect people. I think brands and marketers and corporations do have a fundamental role there, particularly in terms of educating people through marketing and branding. And again, like I said to you a number of weeks ago, when it comes to something which is contentious, that's where you want brands to start being woke because then it actually means something. Yeah, then there's you. actually a purpose behind it. It's not, again, it's like in um, a number of weeks ago, we saw a lot of um, companies, uh, BMW, I think, were one. And all of a sudden it went on to Pride Month and they changed all of the logos Every to the rainbow went, colors. Yeah, yeah. But then they didn't change the colors of their logo for Linked their the, Middle East branch. Or the Middle East branch, yeah. So it's kind of going, well, you either support it yeah. or you don't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I, I think there's... 
it's really, really important for brands to not kind of, you call it, call it greenwashing, but effectively woke washing. So we're going to pretend that we support all this stuff when it's easy to support it. Now is the time where brands really need to come out. And again, and I don't mean in a silly way, I mean really, really get behind informing people, educating people, investing and getting behind politicians, backing politicians, um, not endorsing politicians that are against and, these things, all this, that type of stuff. Important to mention, it doesn't matter like what side of things you're on, but stand by what side oh, of exactly. things you're yeah, on. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, That's... it does in this case. I mean, anyone who is against um, the, <laughs> the, 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 the rights of women to get an abortion is just absolutely insane. Um, uh, particularly, again, when it's been around for so long. But just out of, just to illustrate, and again, this is kind of the, it's, it's humorous, but it's not humorous because it's very, very serious. But one of the Supreme Court judges that um, ruled in favour of getting rid of Roe v. Wade, essentially, um, also said in his, um, they write a kind of a short piece afterwards as to why, also said that they should think of um, rolling back on people's right to use contraceptives. So this is really like, we can't even can't even wrap up anymore. Like this is really <laughs> the way it's kind of going. So again, when you're dealing with old grey-haired men. It wasn't all old grey-haired men, yeah, by the way. Yeah. Um, but it just shows you how shocking the world is at the moment. Like, between it's COVID, the war in Ukraine, this shit, it's just like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake, like, people need to, people need to cop on. The, the old guys in, like, Congress and Senate and all this kind of stuff. One of my favourite pieces now, whatever your opinion of him, we all know it now at this stage, you've told us enough, but, like, Mark Zuckerberg, do you know, um, remember when he got called up for the whole Cambridge Analytica thing and he was put in front of the... And they were asking the most ludicrous questions. Like, these people are running the laws and they haven't got a clue what's going on. No, basically. he ran, he ran. But, like, uh, no, I would always be of the opinion that technology is always going to be faster than the law anyway. Um, but it's when you see how disconnected. It wasn't even that it was so disconnected. It was can embarrassing. you get my file? <laughs> you get my fucking, you get all my data files from your face. And it's like, oh, lads, come yeah. on, come on. Yeah. And the problem is, is that, and again, the smart... The smartest person in a room is often the person who says, I don't know, but I know he knows or yeah. she knows. Therefore, ask them, them the in. question because they're the ones who are going to be able to give me the information that I need to actually make a right decision. And they couldn't even recognize that they don't know. Like if you are a 70-year-old US senator and you're, we'll say, 10-year-old niece or whatever the story is, knows more about technology than you do, you should not be quizzing one of the most technologically literate people in the world on what he's doing with technology. And it's just, again, it just points to just a lack of talent in politics in general. See what's going on in Boris at the moment? I was just about to ask you, I know, what was your thoughts you know, like, along that? Christ, <laughs> someone, someone said, I, I saw it on something during the week, because um, there was all the Mick Lynch stuff, right, about the trade union stuff, like that, which I thought was really, really interesting. But one of the... I cannot remember who it was, but someone said, maybe it was Mick Lynch, but it was someone else said that the main problem with Boris is that he's unembarrassable. There is nothing more that he can do. Like everyone says, oh, he'll be turfed out. He's got the edge now. He's gone from being an idiot to breaking the law well, to now breaking, being idiot, now breaking international law. But this is the problem. Every time it just gets worse. Yeah. And as it gets worse and worse and worse, it gets normalized. Mm. And he's able to normalize it because he just moves on. And the, again, to think of what you had in America with Trump and what you have in the UK with Boris, and then you've got Roe v. Wade over. It's kind of like my, my who is running? Show. Who is running places? Like do you know, one of my favorite T-shirts that came out when um, around the time I think Trump was elected, 
and you had Boris then on this side uh, in the UK. You had um, local, the printing company, Harry Baby, who we have the mugs from. Um, they put up a t-shirt from the song, a parody of the song, and they had a picture of Trump and a picture of Boris, and it was like stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> very good. That's very effectively good. it, though. Um, I suppose just one other thing on that, I think, which is important is that, so according to Pew Research, 61% of Americans say abortion um, should remain legal in most circumstances. Um so this is not going to be popular, and I hope, unlike what usually happens, which is where Americans are either red or blue, that effectively a lot of women come out and say, fuck this, and vote in a certain way that is going to allow them to get their rights back as quick as possible. Yeah, um, so no, this was less serious news um, for a change. Um, so interesting one there that I saw on Marketing Week um, this week, naturally. Um was Nike CEO John Donahue, um has said he is very confident, very confident as in very. inverted commas, means he must be very confident, in the company's long-term strategy despite a 5% dip in profits over the quarter to May um, 31st as the company's direct-to-consumer business continues to grow. Um, and over the last kind of year or so, they've seen roughly a 22% increase in, sale, in online sales thus far. So... The understanding is that Nike are starting to pivot into more of a direct-to-consumer model. So as opposed to them selling their gear to your to your lifestyle sports, your JD sports, your whatever, sports direct and so on and so forth, they will still be doing that, but they're looking to get more direct-to-consumer because obviously they have the bigger margins there and that's via their website, which is going very, very well, but also in their more experiential Nike stores and kind of, you know, their partnership they'd have with you know, your manualities and so on and so forth with their mega stores. So at the moment, it's not going to plan as such because they're 5% down in terms of overall revenue. But I think this actually could be really, really smart by Nike. And the reason being is that if you look at sportswear and track it over the last, particularly kind of 10 years or so, sportswear has gone really, really expensive. Like even if you looked at your average football jersey, 10 years ago was probably somewhere between 50 to 55 quid. Nowadays you're paying it's, it's, 75, 80, sometimes up to you know, 90 depending the on the brand. The sports gear myself, but it, it's well, I don't, I don't, like. I don't buy sports gear necessarily, but you'd see it. And obviously I'm involved in yeah. a football club and so on and so forth. So like gear is constantly, <laughs> sports gear, <laughs> yeah, sports Clarify. gear is, um, it, that's gone up as well. <laughs> um, sports gear is going up. So I think there is a logic here in Nike maybe recognizing that with inflation and the way that it's going, their brand is going to become very unaffordable very, very quickly. So is there a way that they can reduce their price point, maintain their margins relative to what they would usually get via the their third-party distributors? The only way they're going to bring that down is in the initial stages and making the stuff cheaper to make, really, like. Well, no, because if, they, if their model is changing from a... Uh, B two B model where they're selling into JD. Well, no, they get more margin. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. they're going to get more margin. So if they can do that, now they're going to have to spend more money on customer acquisition costs and so on and so forth. But if they can control that consumer, and like in reality, and if you look at all the heritage brands, um, Coca Cola, um, and the car brands, your Volkswagens, um, Adidas, Nike are the ones that constantly reinvent themselves, and the ones that constantly, um are very, very in touch with uh, consumer attention and what consumers are looking for. So if there's any brand 
I think that can drag the consumers kicking and screaming into this world of direct to consumer integrated, yeah, like we you, said, with TikTok and so on and so forth. I think it's going to be nice. Yeah, but do you think people like yeah, Grand with TikTok and it might be like, you know, some sort of a campaign influence or whatever, that kind of stuff's fine. But on a day to day shopper and consumers, do you actually think people will go, do you know what? I want new ones. I'm going to go to Nike website. Or will they do what they've done and went into your lifestyle sports or went into. See, I think it like, depends. Is it just going to be replaced by another see, brand? I, I see, don't think it will be see, because they're so big, but... I think it depends because my my whole thing is that... So, a lot of consumers still prefer to shop in person because there's issues with size and fitting and material. On, yeah. so there's some stuff that you cannot get yeah. from an online experience. That being said, I know myself and I know from a lot of the fashion brands that I work with that people are very, very brand loyal. And once they have an understanding of okay, I'm an eight or I'm a nine in, in, in a Nike yeah, or yeah. I'm a this and that. All of a sudden it becomes a lot easier for them to yeah, shop. Fair. And again, like, so Nike won't be able to offer that range of choice that you would get from a third party distributor like an ASOS or whatever. So they just can't do that. So therefore, where's that extra added value coming from in terms of, and again, I'm thinking in terms of content here that they can offer people if they go to the Nike website, uh, loyalty programs that they can offer um, when people sign up directly to the Nike website, integrations with, again, your sports clubs. Mm-hmm. There was the um, the commentary a number of years ago, which I think was a, 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 a Scott Galloway kind of a strategic pivot thing where he said that a lot of these brands, um, and not just in the sports space, but in loads of other space, are going to look at having recurring revenue models. Mm. So what he basically said is that you sign up to Nike, and in the same way that you pay 20 quid to Netflix, you pay 20 quid to Nike, this gives you a discount on the Nike store, it gives you access to Nike gyms, if they start opening gyms or start partnering with certain gyms, and you get entered into draws for World Cup or whatever the story is. Do you know what I mean? So all of this kind of stuff is... um, all of this kind of stuff is where Nike can add value, and if they can add value and keep their margin, it's a dangerous strategy change. But again, if there's someone who can pull it off, it's it's, it's Nike. Yeah, yeah. One thing that popped up for me this week with the sports brands, uh, or sorry, with sports related, I'll come into it there in two seconds. But you just reminded me actually of something I spotted last week, which was um, the partnership between. I'm not sure if you saw it between. We've talked about them plenty of times here. Jim Plus Coffee and Aston Villa. Yeah. They sign on as sponsors for Aston Villa for the for the ladies football team for the main the main ladies football team. Very clever for yeah. lads. Um, really really good move. Aston Villa are a massive club. I mean, what I like about it, I think, is it's almost not that I say you know you, they couldn't afford to go into the main Premiership or the men's teams or anything like that. What I think well, they're with Aston Villa. No, what I'm saying is they're going with the ladies football team. Yeah. And what I like about that is the same almost as Nike is. They're not going with your straight down the line conventional top of the range. You know they're going with the ladies football team. They're going with the the underdog almost to come up into the the, the not the lower level teams but the kind of the side teams. Do you know? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. yeah. Way. They're not. It's not. It's not the men's first team, which is still the most popular. But at the moment, which is interesting, women's football is the fastest growing sport in the world at the yeah. moment. Um, and again, like Jim Plus Coffee, and I don't know what their operational or, or supply chain capability is. I would imagine for them to supply. A club like Aston Villa with their premium rate, I don't think be prizing they're too small for that right now because it would the demand would be as absolutely astronomical. Um, going into the women's setup and understanding that area, the different types of garments, the again they're at leisure. This isn't that leisure. This is now sportswear. Um, particularly if they start, and I don't know exactly what the partnership are they going to start providing the jerseys? Is it just yeah. the at leisure I stuff? Don't know. They're the great, great. 
promovate launch with yeah. drone footage of the stadium. They had, you know, some of the team walking into the stadium and, you know, that very iconic logo that they have, the kind of very recognisable logo on the back of the jumpers. Yeah. You just see that kind of coming up into the stadium. It's very, very well shot piece of content and a really, really nice launch. Like, you know, the, the, the founders... Um, Dermot and I teased it out the night before the big news coming and all they've quite a big following on, online themselves so no absolutely fantastic no, I knew they were looking them. at them um, I knew they were looking at getting into kind of the the kind of sports industry yeah. for a while um, again really really clever way of doing it and what, what people forget is that you say Aston Villa Aston Villa located in Birmingham which is the second biggest city in the UK yeah. when you say when you ask people what's the second biggest city in the UK they say Manchester Liverpool yeah, course, yeah. Edinburgh yeah. it's Birmingham so yeah. there's a massive massive audience catchment there. Yeah. audience there that they can look to grow and again women's sport uh, or women's football sorry is the um, is the fastest growing sport in the world at the moment but even um, partnering here they partnered with Kelly uh, um, Harrington uh, they partner with we've already seen obviously the likes of Niall Horn and all that kind of stuff yeah you know, it's it's they're being very very clever in who they partner with, which I think is great. It's not just new brand on the it's block. Li- little strategic pivots, yeah. just little pivots here and there, which again allowed them to break into a particular industry. Yeah. And again, really really clever stuff. Uh, following on that from another sports one, it's unlike me to have two sports ones, but no, uh, yeah, sports one weird. is another an, uh, at the end of an iconic uh, partnership over in the UK, which was Robinsons and Wimbledon. Now, not so much the actual brands themselves we're going to talk about. Robinson's now is the dilutant drink. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just so um, I know. So basically, they've had a partnership, which I was amazed by, for 86 years. They That's started it. this. Now, there was story time with me this time. What I came across was how the actual Robinson's brand kind of came about and how they kind of teamed up with Wimbledon was... Uh, Robinson's Barley Water was born in the changing rooms at Wimbledon when a sales rep combined Robinson's Barley Crystals with lemon juice, sugar and water and ever since it's been drank there. And that's how 86 years ago they came up with. Robinson's Barley Crystal sounds like a fella called, sound dodgy. called Rob, Robinson down the, down the, down the back yeah. streets made. Dresses up as Elvis on yeah. the weekend, does and the karaoke. And yeah. does the karaoke after his crystals, yeah. But was like, nowadays you, like it's, very rare to hear any kind of partnership. Sports are, you know, you know, outside sports, obviously, but but to hear a partnership that's eighty six years in the running, like you know, and that they're they're ending after eighty six years, so it's it's phenomenal to hear that. I don't think you will find that anymore. Was there a reason given? They all that came out and said is Robinson said that they're now focusing on broadening its summertime reach. So going that a bit further, they said beyond the kind of the fortnight, you know, the the two weeks or whatever of Wimbledon, they're looking to focus on new campaigns such as the Big Fruit Hunt. And the campaign encourages families to go outside, get outside and take part I'm not, I'm, in I'm, a virtual hunt for answer. fruit that's not an answer. for a chance stops, to win that prizes. Stops, stop, shut up. That's I not an answer. That's not an answer. That's a... F- yeah, that's not an answer. So basically, basically, the marketing manager or sales director, whoever's in Robinson, says this, this is not value for money anymore. Yes. So back in 2015, they had, a, they had a chance to get out and they said they renew it for five years. So five years is up, done. Yeah. Good luck, we're out. But... Um, no, I just think it was it's it was interesting to see an iconic brand like that for like you'd know now from the sports side of things how important sponsors are and how important yeah. more so the, the partnership side of it to actually pick the right partners to come on board as well. Yeah, no, there there is the blend there is the blend too. So I mean, like ultimately the revenue is really, really important. I mean, if you look at and it depends on what level you're pitching at, right? So if you take listeners may not know, but I'm a director of local football club here called Cork City Football Club. 
If you look at yeah, <laughs> if you look at our um, if you look at the revenue and the way it's split up, we're still heavily reliant on gate receipts. Yeah, but we're looking to grow commercial merchandise, fundraising, other areas of um, other areas of growth. If you look at your clubs in England, they are now not really reliant on gate revenue oh, so at all. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna it's all Who commercial merchandise exactly. So Sorry, and then it's obviously me. I was talking away from the mic there. He'd be giving out to me. You'd just be giving out to oh, again, yeah, will yeah, he? Yeah, you again, That's because you never that's because you never learn. You never listen. <laughs> um but fundamentally, right? So it's all about your business model, right? Mm. And Again, the partnerships need to be important because the partnerships, if you've got a good partnership for both parties involved, then it means that that commercial arrangement will go further and further and further and become more integrated and become more valuable over time. So, for example, we're partnered with the local university. And despite them writing us a check every year, which is what they pay for being on the front of the um, the front of the jersey, they also then offer our players scholarships, yeah. which they can use then to promote their academic programs. Yeah. We bring the academy teams in there, and we bring nutritionists in, and the nutritionists talk about the importance yeah. of well being, collaboration there, all this back kind of stuff. We offer um, mental health services to our yeah. younger players, all this type of stuff. We and it's part of that integration, and obviously for a university, which is where I work. Um, the having that community outreach is really, really important for them. So that's an example of a well tight knitted yeah. relationship which has lasted for pretty much the last kind of six years. With Robinsons, because it has gone on for so long, I can only assume that they've kind of decided we need to pull back yeah. on our budget here somewhere. Yeah. And they've probably saturated the market. Yeah. But and, like, and interesting it's enough, almost become it's probably like it's so it's so long there. It's so iconic. It's just become part of it. It's almost like it's just become washed. But I would, I would say as well, you say it's iconic. I wouldn't have, to be honest, I didn't I would, know. I, I'm not a big tennis fan, but I, I knew that they were a partnership. I wouldn't have known. I have know. to I wouldn't have known. The one that I would always associate with Wimbledon was Rolex. Okay, yeah, because they're always on the side. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have associated with Robinsons yeah. with them at all at all, which again, probably is a lesson they should there have bailed out 50 well done, years lads. ago. Good job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but again, that's a bullshit, like that's a bullshit um, statement that they've put out. I don't think, um, I don't think that's a, that's, that's a valid reason at all. They're looking to cut their budget and they want to get out. That's yeah. simple as that. So have you any other exciting or good news stories now? Something exciting? Good news? Exciting? I don't know. Could be good news. So do you know the way it Donald. Be good news. Do you know the way Donald. It's um, not going to be good news. I know. I'm a big even, fan. Unless it's Donald Duck now. No, 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 no. I wish it was Donald. I wish it was Donald Duck. Do you ever um, th- that theory which I loved actually, which was was I love it how Do- Donald Duck is after? No, it was, Do- <laughs> it was Donald something. Duck. Do you ever notice that Donald Duck does not wear pants, but yet he wears a it's towel when he comes out of the shower? Yeah, yeah. saw that there. recently somewhere. <laughs> it was brilliant. I love it. Um, that's the kind of stuff that keep keeps you up at night as an academic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the so, stuff that keeps you up on Saturday too. So what? <laughs> so one thing is the. Um, uh, Donald Trump, as we know, kind of has been trying to launch Truth Social, um, which is a social media platform. Sorry. Why are you laughing at? I looked at the face on him when I looked at him. Never mind, we're driving on. Don't mind that. Don't mind him. We all know who the consummate professional is on this um, on this panel. But anyway, so SPAC. Do you know what a SPAC is? No. It's a special purpose acquisition company. And effectively what a SPAC is, is that it's a number of shareholders who have come together, and or not shareholders, a number of investors who have come together who they wouldn't have the power themselves to buy a company, but they come together for the special purpose of investing in something. In this particular case, a social media platform. So, Loads of people with loads of money and don't know what to do with it. Correct. Um, or it could, well, it can also be made up of 
like a lot of people with not a lot of money investing in something stupid that they don't know what the special purpose is. But regardless, it's a collection of them. It's an investment fund, effectively. And um, they are interested in either merging with or acquiring um, Truth Social, which is Donald Trump's social media platform. And the SEC... Um, have basically said that they are filing a number of um, investigations with Truth Social over the next couple of weeks and with this particular SPAC. And that means that the acquisition may not go ahead and Donald Trump's social media network might die. <laughs> so that is effectively where that is at at the moment. Who even thought it was a good idea to invest in the first place? Like, <laughs> Well, you see, the problem is it, it was Trump. And typically speaking, because he like the, the thought process is that he's going to run again, right? Mm. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> so the, that's actually fucking annoying me now that I just even thought of that now again. It's never ending. Um, but the the point here is that I think there's a few things going on here. One, there's a lot of people still, for some reason, believe that he is in some way a legitimate leader of supposedly the freest country in the world who just blocked people getting abortions. Uh, anyway, just remind me there's, there, going back on the story even you said earlier at the start, the only person i thought that would have ever beaten him if he does go back and just probably because what's come out and what the type of personality she is and everything she stands for definitely i think the only person that will have a clear win and run is michelle obama i was thought you were gonna say that she goes she will walk that now if she goes against him i don't think so really and you know why and this is going to sound absolutely terrible america will not elect a black woman to president to presidential office they won't do it and that sounds Ridiculous, but they just won't. I think they this, won't I think next do time, it. Yeah, I think next time she'd have a good chance again. Um, I hope so. I really, really do. And I don't know much about Michelle Obama. I don't know what her credentials are. But I mean, ultimately, she comes across as very, very dignified, level-headed. She's been. As in, you've always said, all you need don't start wars. Dig, don't start war. <laughs> don't start wars for no reason. Be dignified. Look after people. That's your job as leader yeah. of the free world, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but the. That would be interesting, and I think, to be honest with you, putting someone like Michelle Obama up against a pig like Donald Trump would actually show a lot of the. It would show a lot of the nastiness. I'm I'm actually no, I'm actually turned off by the whole thing. The last, the last, um, when that thing went through during the week, I was like, because there's been a lot of small things have happened recently, like the, the World Cup in Qatar. Where if you're going there as a gay person, you're going to get prosecuted and killed. It came out during the week that even if you have a one night stand, you could end up in jail. So that sounds like a really fun <laughs> World Cup. You can't drink, you can't have sex, you can't have drugs. Yeah. Otherwise, you go to jail for 12 years. What a time to be alive. That's a World Cup. Um, then you had the weight stuff. And again, it just it just showed you that like no matter how much we paper over all the kind of cracks and as much as we say we've moved on as a civilization society, we haven't. Like, all it takes is a few fucking old bastards to ruin it for everyone as usual. This is all going to come out at some point. How does we get on to this from Donald Trump's social network? I don't network? drive it on something else. You were talking about investments there. Yeah, so my point was, <laughs> in relation to um, Trump's network, I think this is going to emerge on the back of Musk as well. In the same way that... I'd been saying for a long time, a lot of people have been saying for a long time, that there was a social network due to break through. And there was a few skating around the edges, like Social Vero and stuff like that, um, because Facebook was dying off. And people were getting a little bit kind of pissed off or Instagram wasn't really innovating that much. of what, what's left that will break through. Well, you say that for TikTok. Like, but the point here is that is there an opportunity if Musk goes in to 
Twitter and ruins it. Oh, there'll be a space. Is there, there an opportunity for a just news? Truth, truth social, whatever he calls it. Well, no, that, but that's my point. Is that why there was that act, there was that potential acquisition there? Because again, it would be a nice news. No, it wouldn't be truth. Ironically, it's called Truth Social, and it's being run by the Republican. John, that that's not how it works. But my point is, is that is the logic of the SPAC or logic of investors going to be looking at long term plans? If like, Musk yeah. doesn't get this right. Is there an opportunity either to acquire Twitter once it's a shell of yeah. itself once Musk pulls out or a new social networking app which is, as I would call Twitter, and maybe not now, but a number of years ago it was the perfect app in between Facebook and LinkedIn. Yeah. It was kind of news. It was more factual. It's become a bit more, again, a bit more kind of emotive now recently enough and Twitter can be a complete cesspit at times. But... The I think there could be a space there for a new social media platform like that. Um, I don't know how it works. We've mentioned loads of things in the past in terms of how they could make it work. But is that what these investors are looking at? What's the next social media platform that could emerge from well, the ashes of a Twitter, for example? No matter what, verification has to be on it. Ver- verification, and subscription. possibly a subscription, yeah. A little sort of a premium. No. It doesn't have to be big. Small. It's like the initial days of WhatsApp. I was like a euro or something and that was it. But the thing is, it will filter out the crap. I don't mind paying for... I'm paying 20 quid a month for Netflix. Apparently, you yeah, told me earlier on. Yeah, we figured this out. You're fucking easy for it. I don't know why you the are. Four, the 4K version. <laughs> You're watching five different things at the one time. I don't mind paying for good news. It was like I pay for certain newspapers, FT and so on and so forth. I don't mind paying yeah. for good quality... Yeah. Um, News content, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, that's exactly what Twitter is, and it'd be way more valuable, and I'd use it more, and I'd make it more. It would be more lucrative to advertisers if there was less people on it. Just like paying your TV license bill. Yeah. I always pay my TV yeah. license bill, and if they never one, have a TV, <laughs> and if one never have a TV, it's not even that anymore. It's a broadcast media license. media license or something. I don't have a ridiculous thing. I don't have a phone. I don't have a phone. I have a laptop. Pigeon. Pigeon. <laughs> Carrier pigeon. Speaking of TV licenses, um, John, hear a joke. Go for it. I heard this actually from producer Owen there, so he can take credit for this. But um, given that we were just talking about media licenses or TV licenses and all the rest of it, but um, TV license inspector calls to a fella's door, knocks on the door, and says, You haven't paid your TV license, mate. Um, man turns around and says, Don't have a television. TV license inspector looks up and says, You've got an aerial on the roof. Your man says, well, I got milk in the fridge, but that doesn't mean I have a fucking cow with tobacco either, does it? It's going, it's going, <laughs> it is it's good going, to be fair. Was funny. I thought it was very funny. You can funny. use that at home. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. That'll be a TikTok now, and that might get a bit of um, there we go. Might get yeah. a bit of traction. Um, I was going to say first off there, uh, we have a bit of a congratulation, but it's amazing that there's two full points in front of us there, and we through, do this. Through you know, the straight. magic of modern <laughs> cinema production and our producer Owen, we have, yeah. we're like Jesus. Refillable glasses. We just had, uh, we had nearly empty drinks, and now yeah. they are full. It's amazing, yeah. Anyway, keep going. There's also we an extra bottle on the table, and we won't talk about no, that. No, we always had three, you just... Oh, yeah, we got rid of the other one, yeah. Shut up, you. We have a congratulations to say to the local boys. Yes, in fairness, speaking so about investments. Cork-based employee, uh, sorry, employees, um, entrepreneurs, um, which is Joel Lennon and uh, John Goulding, um, who are the co-founders of Work Vivo. 
So they have recently, as today, raised 21 million euros worth of ancillary funding. And that brings their total fundraise to about 36 mil. Um, and this fundraise was uh, led by investment or venture capitalists from Tiger Global. Um, so a big vote of confidence for the two lads. And yeah. again, if you look at their um, some of their client... Um, some of their clients, their clients are Amazon, Boopa, Telus International, so on and so forth. Yeah. So massive, massive companies. Massive. Great team um, there as well. Even two designers on the team, Clean and Anthony, absolutely phenomenal what they do. Like it's just all around a, a really a local success story. It's doing very well for themselves. Oh, it is, yeah. No, and again, it, it fits into the look. The world is always moving on in terms of employee engagement, right? And they're up against some big players, your slacks of this yeah. world, and so on and so forth. But really, really holding their own, and hopefully, this means uh, a hiring spree um, across Ireland, UK, elsewhere, where they've got. Um, They've got offices and so on and so forth where they're hoping to possibly hire upwards of 200 people and they currently have about 100 people working for them. So massive, massive expansion yeah. going on. So congratulations to you boys. And best of luck to them. Yeah. So give us the last why bit. You, why don't you ever do something like that? What? Rather than setting up a fucking shitty raise podcast. Raise 21 million you? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. hire 200. Well, yeah, which, yeah, one, yeah. which one would you like? Raise, raise the 21 million and then you can hire the employees afterwards. I'll pay you to do this full time. No problem. <laughs> Enjoying that. Mm. It's nice actually, isn't it? It's a lovely beer. Um, again, what I would actually, because you actually get this in pubs as well. Yes. Um, and the draft is absolutely gorgeous. Really, really nice. What I like about this is that, just the way there's, like last week we were talking about um, the club, Rock Shandy uh, collaboration with Rascals. And it was, oh yeah, week before. And it was, um, and I was saying it was a summery drink. Yes. And, like usually during the winter, I'll drink the local stout, so Shannon Stout, Murphy's, and so on and so forth, because stout winter. This is one of those that is equally a summery drink, and you could drink it during the winter as well. It's really, really nice. It's got a nice richness to it, um, but it's also got a kind of a nice um, sweet taste to well, it as I well. Like, so. I'm a fan of IPAs, and in, in, well, in this case, K- KPA. Kinsale. Kinsale Pale Ale. But um, what I like about this is, Sometimes with, especially with kind of the craft beers, you can get the quite heavy, kind of chemically, not chemically taste, but you know, that quite heavy and stodgy and make you feel ill after one the or two. craft brewers will be nice. out against you, a oh, chemically taste from the craft beer. Taste. Oh, they won't like that. They won't like that. But this is actually nice. You could actually drink a few of those and you wouldn't Throwing get that heavy Throwing avocados at you and everything. What? <laughs> Throwing avocados at you. No, no. That's more insulting than what I said now. So moving on, what else have you got for us? So... I don't have anything else left, Dave. So do you have anything else left? I do. I do. I'll save it. Forty-five percent of podcast listeners started listening to podcasts in the past year, according to new research from Acast and Nielsen. Does that include you? And where are they? <laughs> where, where, are they? Are, where are all these podcasts? All listeners? listening to this. Yeah, they are. Where, where are all, all these new the listeners? World. Yeah. Um, um, no, what I thought was interesting is we've talked about here about you know ways for brands to look at. New forms of advertising, new forms of media to latch on to our social, even looking at ways to use digital or traditional that they've never thought about. But this whole world of podcasting is on the increase as a whole. And it is an interesting way for brands to look at ways to see can they tap into whereas for advertising, starting their own podcast, the likes of we already just mentioned Work Vivo and all these kind of bigger kind of corporate technology brands, they even have internal podcasts of staff, you know, upwards into the hundreds of staff people talking to each other. So I just th- think this is a very interesting way for brands to go forward. Yeah, so I mean, look, even for us, so we haven't mentioned it yet, this is our last episode of this series. Mm. We're taking Breaking a short news. a short hiatus 
so I can go and enjoy me fucking summer holidays. Typical academics and teachers always looking for an extended hey, holiday. You want a, you wanted a holiday as well. What we need is we need time to I got me weekend. You did no, I need on a Tuesday I kinda like going drinking and in an public outdoor in the pub. private sector. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um and in a pub and in a pub with a beer garden, not not the studio with no beer not garden and these lights beaming down on us, but even ourselves, never, like never had to queue for a drink in the air. Ah, you're right. Actually, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. And um, to be fair, but the, I mean, even we're looking now and for the next series, pushing this out in terms of different bits and pieces. We're not going to go into really, but we're looking at. Well, no, we're not going to talk about it. But how we can integrate more brands, how we can work yeah. with brands more, how we can work with people more in terms of from entrepreneurs business to stories, business all, this stories, all this kind of stuff and how we can link it in. The podcast is always there, but how do you spread and build your brand architecture out a small bit? And again, we're working here with Skeleton Resources ultimately and we have the stats. So you can imagine if you were a brand with resources, what you can do with this as a medium and it's only becoming more and more powerful. Like even, so when I was on the flight back from Portugal there during the week, I had no interest in downloading something from Netflix. I just wanted to have something in the ear that I could close my eyes. Or even in, um, so I don't know if this is a typical Irish when you're abroad thing, right? But if you're in Portugal, and we can't, you know, we go outside and it's, we melt, right? So if you go, like when that's I was you put over... the cap on. Oh, but that's it, but I was over in Portugal, like... If I was sitting on a beach or lying on a beach, I didn't want to watch a film. Everything was, you wanted to podcast, exactly. So, and again, if you're going for a walk, which invariably we're not static, right? When we're either having lunch at work or we're walking to work. So therefore, that form of medium is something where there can be a huge amount of um, development in. And again, you can see the growth, 45% in one year. That's massive. Well, for anyone that doesn't know, like, who I mentioned there was Acast, so like we use Acast here for the for the podcast. Acast, oh, not an ad. Hashtag ad. It's not an ad unless they want to pay us. This can be an ad all they want, but <laughs> no, it's not an ad. Um, so Acast become one of the industry leaders for the distribution of podcasts. So that's why they went and conducted this data. But seventy percent engage with podcasts more uh, content more than once a week. But listeners also said they expect to increase their podcast consumption in the next six months. So in terms of the kind of the, the age range that they were looking at. 53% of 18 to 34-year-olds uh, only started listening in the past year, whereas 65% of over 55s were already listening for over the last, yeah. over the 12 months ago. So definitely the younger audience, I think. And I think that's that's down to the likes of the, the people that are creating podcasts. Like you're starting to see, you know, uh, UK comedians coming out with podcasts, kind of influencers coming out with podcasts. So like they're attracting that younger audience onto the platforms to listen to them. You know, whereas we would have seen this early on with the likes of, you know, the Joe Rogan and all these kind of people moving oh, to Spotify, you yeah. know, but but in terms of there, they were moving everything over yeah, to yeah, Spotify, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, Michelle Obama got a contract with Spotify, uh, Bruce Springsteen, and, you know, Barack Obama, you know, they were the, the big, big, big contracts that start coming out first. So now the, there is, but I think so the, the, there's, a, there's a dual kind of a focus here, right? So one is how can you reach audiences that you couldn't reach before for maybe an SME or even a brand or something like that? And then you've got your superstars, so your Obamas, your Michelle Obamas, your Joe Rogan, do you know what I mean? So they're over here and parked that for a second. But even if you take my own industry, for example, of academia, typically what would often happen is that someone could, could do, in marketing, for example, they could do some cutting-edge 
research, really, really interesting stuff. It goes into an academic article, which goes through rigorous peer review, goes into an academic journal. It's presented at an academic conference to other academics who have already read the academic journal. And it never goes beyond that. It never goes beyond that as much as it should. With a medium such as a podcast, that's where universities can start investing in these things and start actually taking that research and making it consumable to the public audience that it was intended for, be that business owners, some or some individuals. Um, and again, some like my colleagues inside, some of them do incredible research from um, gig economy workers yeah. and their experiences right through to drug users at yeah. festivals and, and controlling just, and just because the carnival there. So like, it was produced, it's never going to be read. Never. Do you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I say never, like, but, you know, very small audience. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Students looking to do research for their papers, realistically. Like, you well, know? that, and you could, well, you could also, again, it depends, it depends on them. Um, it depends on, like, for like so, for example, one of my colleagues did research a number of years ago on market mavenism, which is basically if people go to festivals and they take a lot of drugs, um, they that that it can't be good for you ultimately if you haven't got a way to test whether those drugs were um bad or whatever the story is, right? Well, I've um, seen his primary research. Well, ulti- well yeah. <laughs> well ultimately, yeah, but it was done through uh, pillreports.com, yeah, yeah. where which is a site that's basically used to for want of one better word, grade different types of drugs. <laughs> so effectively what it is. But the point here is that the government at the moment have a situation whereby they basically say drugs are bad, therefore we're not going to tell you how to consume them safely. Whereas pill reports fill that gap in the marketplace. So in the absence of an institution giving information, consumers then give that information instead. So if you can take, for example, um, someone who's just starting college and wants, okay, maybe wants to experiment with drugs, Okay, the the utopian is that they don't consume drugs at all. Yeah, we don't but promote the condone, of course, don't condone the use of drugs. Of course, but the point is, is that it, that's a binary way of looking. Yeah. At you don't take them or you do take them. There's obviously a grey area yeah. there. So that would be interesting research for that. Or people who are going to festivals or parents who are sending their kids away and they don't necessarily draw. It's educating people with something um, above and beyond the audience that that article would have originally kind of went to, you know. So, again, that's just an example of academia. Mm. Local brands, the exact same kind of idea. Like, I mean, why wouldn't you have, like, if you take Cork businesses, for example. A couple of weeks ago, I featured on the the Cork Credit Unions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. No nice words there. Thanks. Yeah, good man. (laughs) But but like that, they've all come together. I listened to it. You got a mention. You're all right. (laughs) Did I? They obviously didn't listen to it. the full thing, no. Um, Yeah, it was at the end. Um, The Cork Credit Unions have all come to. What? I think you got mentioned too, don't worry. He is all in there at the yeah, corner, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Normally when you show I'm in trouble for something, that's why I stopped. Um but but like they've all come together as a collective, like you know, so it's like all these groups are coming together, different people with different interests, they're all just coming together. And I just think podcasts an incredibly attractive medium that businesses should look into, whether it's for spending advertising to to sponsorship or putting ads with or actually starting their own one. Yeah, no, absolutely hundred percent. And um Again, this is all about mediums, opportunities. Again, the markets. Okay, we. Sorry about the break there. Now we've just had a bit of a clarification that we well a clarification we need to address, I suppose, uh, from producer Owen. That already we've mentioned that you were talking about the price of gear. I talked about keeping up on a Saturday. We were just talking about about drugs again, and you're just back from Portugal. But Dave, I think we need to clarify. Clarify our own. Owen has just has just turned around and said. 
unintentionally you have scaffolded this episode You're in such a way where it looks like is this, I, am, I am into recreational drug use. Whereas earlier on when we were talking about gear, we were talking about, what was it? I don't know, fun Saturday nights. Fun Saturday night, that was in relation to something else, but yeah. there's another person as opposed to hallucinogenics well, way, just, involved. Just, just, just to clarify. Just to, just to be absolute... And that was it, yeah, yeah. So, like, no, just to be absolutely clear, absolutely clear, everyone, I am not into recreational drug use. Should we carry on with the rest of the episode? Carry on there, go on. Finish it's the off first or... ever time we've had to actually get the producer to stop and step in. There's and a reason this. we asked him to come along. Exactly, yeah. No, so, right, on, finish off. Good news story. What have you got? Good for me? news story. So, I said, you know what? It's the end of the series. And a lot of this series has been sent, uh, spent, I should say, bitching and moaning about social media, terrible social medias and blah, blah, blah. One side more than another. Uh, yeah, that's because that's because that's you just don't care as much as I do. Okay. Um, but I saw this. So this was originally um, tweeted by a guy called Brett Forshaw. Um, and the tweet was basically this. Just seeing this old man struggling to walk down the street after nipping to the shops in a uh, Goldburn, whatever that is, uh, saw uh, this young lad stop to ask was he okay. He then carried his stuff and held the man's arm as he got home. Well done to that lad and credit to his parents. And there's a photo of the young lad helping the old fella back home. And I just thought after all the absolute shit that we've been talking about social media and how terrible it is, that's a nice story. And every now and then... Social media helps amplify. Has a win. It has a win. It helps yeah. amplify. So, and I even retweeted that a number of weeks ago. I thought it was a nice. I thought I know yeah. it was weird. You're sure, you weren't on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> it was a complete no. Because usually, again, bitching a moan. That's where social media wins. Good news story amplified. Happy days. Brilliant. Good. Well, that's a good note to end it on. So we Cheers. finished. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers look. on. Cheers on. Uh, 10 episodes in delighted to get the video up and going uh, you can obviously follow us on social media YouTube Spotify everywhere you want and we'll be back in a couple of weeks when Dave decides he needs to get back to work and it'll we'll be more than a couple of weeks and I'm going to be working a hell of a lot fucking harder than you over this summer I can guarantee you that I can. I, I think we both know the answer to that one <laughs> uh, thanks very much everyone for listening over the last few weeks we really appreciate it and uh, keep in touch and we will see you again in a few weeks take care Back in a few weeks. See you later.